The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Marie's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, so who's your guest today? Well, we have a wonderful licensed family, uh, marriage and family therapist with us, Dr. Margot E. Brown, and she is the author of this book that I just have been reading called Kickstart Your Relationship Now, Move On or Move Out, which is just terrific. So let me tell you a little bit about Margot. She comes from Northern California, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's counseled and helped thousands of people improve their relationships over the past 20 years years. Her new book is, as I said, called Kickstart Your Relationship Now, Move On or Move Out. She is the Director of Psychological Health for Magellan Health, Inc. as a civilian contractor for the U.S. Army Reserves, and she's responsible for the mental well-being of 43,000 soldiers in nine states and Guam, uh, uh, Saipan, and American Samoa. She consults with generals, ambassadors, and unit commanders, and she's part of the Combat Stress team consulting and screening and educating soldiers regarding post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, which this is so needed. But she has had a private practice for 20 years and prior to taking that position at Magellan Health, um, and she was addressing patient needs regarding relationships, and she also consulted on substance abuse, workplace stress, behavioral health, couples conflict, uh, domestic violence, child abuse, and anxiety. And this book is basically dealing with our love relationships. She's written for the Family Psychologist and American Journal of Family Therapy. She's a, mer- a member of the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists and Employee Assistance Professional Association. And her workshops and trainings include conflict resolution, which we talk about here, codependence, and um, why it's important to talk, the stigma of mental health in the military, and men, much, much more. So we are just uh, thrilled to have her come in and talk about her new book with us. And so thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows before we even start, you can find out more about her at conflicthealing.com where you'll see the JPEG of her book, her photo, her bio, and we link to her website as well, which is uh, kickstartyourrelationshipnow.com. 
So thank you, Margo, for joining us. Well, thank you very much for that introduction. And uh, this is totally an honor, and I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, we are uh, basically soul sisters here because uh, <laughs> everything that I was reading in your book is is really was in tune with uh, with what I try and do with couples only on the other end when they're going through a divorce but you know just really communicating forgiveness um you know not blaming all the good stuff that you talk about so let's let's talk a little bit about um what conflicts you come across most often with couples well certainly there's a percentage of couples that come in with affairs but mostly the theme is not listening to each other and the female partner feeling that they're not understood because there's no listening and they're both just tuned out. One person's doing all the talking and the other I call is hiding behind the rock. So one is roaring like a lioness or a lion and the other one has tuned out and just given up because everything becomes the conflict and so one is avoiding the conflict and the other one's trying to connect. So it's this long-standing pattern and it's very painful. Each of them, if you speak to them right in front of each other, they'll say they feel very alone in the marriage. So it's really a heartbreaker. Yes. And, uh, you know, I just started a, a new mediation with a couple, and I asked them, you know, how are you feeling in the marriage? Let's help me understand, because I could, you could almost cut the room with a knife, you know. So I said, let's just help me understand kind of like why you're getting this divorce, because if I understand what you think it is, it's going to help me to help you resolve issues of the children and, and all that stuff. And they each told me, and I repeated back to them what they were feeling, and both, like you're right, they felt lonely, they felt unappreciated, they felt disrespected, they felt, um, you know, kind of like really, you know, not not having a friend, <laughs> Very, very disconnected and, and lonely in the relationship. So they, you know, I said, as much as you, you saw it from a different perspective, you basically had the same feelings, the very same disconnect. And, you know, when, we, when we're in love, we're, we feel so connected, right? But when we're in conflict, we feel so disconnected. We can be more lonely having that person in the house than we would if we didn't have that person in the house, Right. And said, um, you just hit on a very important topic because when the couple comes to therapy, I would do exactly as you just noticed and said and point out the commonality between them. And so you're both hurting. And you know what? There's no one else in the room besides your partner right at this moment, even if he's agitated and angry and hurt underneath and you're hurt and sad and then uh, disappointed underneath. Each of you really understand that pain more than anyone else. So please try to be supportive of each other. Let's find a way to do that. Right, right. So what are some of the signs that it's time to break up? Well... Certainly, I mean, it's a very complicated topic, but I guess the nuts and bolts of it is that um, when there's, I wouldn't say just because there's been many years of disconnect and non-talking and not sharing and blaming and bringing up the past that you can't make it, I would not say that. However, it's more challenging the longer it has been. Um, I think the indicators are, from my perspective as a clinician, is that when one person is starting to make changes, and I hate to be gender biased, but I'll just pick on the female for a minute and say that she is reading a self-help book, or maybe she went for a few sessions of therapy, 
or she joins a woman's group, or she talks to her pastor at church, or whatever. But she's starting to make inroads and finding, trying to find new ways to communicate with her partner, and really changing her tone of voice, and really making the efforts to be a friend and to be kind. And he's saying, you've got the problem, not me. You're the one that needs to go to therapy. I'm not going to therapy with you. And so he's very stuck and ingrained and embracing, uh, I'm not budging from my spot. That could be an indicator. I mean, you can be patient and keep working on yourself and grow and change and say, no, I'm still committed to this relationship. But I think after you keep doing that growing and changing, you'll probably say, why am I in this? You know? Right. So, um, so I think that's an indicator when one person's really not going to co-participate in the positive change and healing. That would be a huge indicator from my perspective. And the other is um, when when couples, uh, I wouldn't say this is like a deal breaker in terms of moving out, but you have to change up, and you know this as well as I do, that you know if you keep doing the same thing over and over and hobbling along and nothing's changing, why would you expect it to be different? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the example I always give of you're shaking your left leg and your left arm and you're shaking your left leg and your left arm and you keep think, expecting things to change, as I said, it, it's not. And so if you change, you, know, you change up and shake your right leg and your right arm, well, that might be enough of a change, but maybe not because they're both legs and arms. You have to, like, twirl your head around. You have to insert something new in the process right. to get a deli- deliverable outcome that is different. Right. And um, people don't do that. They just keep hobbling, and they're so unhappy. And, you know, so I think reaching out and saying, maybe this is not answering your question. You wanted to know what the signs are. But it's really about making the effort to start the conversation. You look unhappy. I know I'm unhappy. I want to work on this. Are you willing to do that? You know, let's talk. And, of course, making the time frame to be able to have a positive discussion in terms of safe. Um, But ultimately, the signs are a complete disconnect, one side blaming the other, um, non-participation in trying to make a difference, um, and... Uh, The partner's not being collaborative or communicative or participating at many many, many levels. You know, I know women and men that have gone on separate vacations for years, and I'm thinking, do they ever go on a vacation together? Right. You know, date night, um, and one person feels like the single parent, you know, doing all the diapers and the grocery shopping and working and keeping the house and nobody to come home to and talk to. So I think it's an individual choice, but I think the indicators are feeling more and more separated from each other. Yeah, and when and you had talked previously about an affair, and an affair is a symptom, but it becomes a real problem or a real sign when that person has really left emotionally the relationship and is now emotionally really involved with someone else. Then it's it's hard. I mean, I I get a lot of those where there is. I mean, they left long time ago and they're in another relationship, and and to try and put it back together is more challenging. It's yes. it is much more challenging if it was a brief affair and it was just you know slam bam thank you ma'am kind of thing. Um, that's one thing. But if it goes on, if it's really long, I had one couple where. The wife found out that husband had a, a 20-year affair, you know, with the same person. And it, it's kind of like uh, Camilla and Prince Charles, you know. Uh, so I think those are, are those are tough ones. And I don't know if you feel like this, but I, I know you from reading your book, you seem somewhat spiritual. I mean, do you ever think that maybe we come together to learn from each other and then 
when we've learned, oh, that we can with each other, that maybe it is time to let go and be open to a new relationship? I knew I liked you. Yes, I'm on the air, and I'm actually speaking about this with you. This is great. I definitely believe in that, and I am spiritual, and I, I believe that you know our spirit, um, I've been reading books for 20 years on this topic, it grows, our soul grows and evolves through relationships. Can you believe that? That's sure. the number one reason for evolution, basically, in ourselves. Yes, yes. And you're absolutely right. We come together for this lesson of learning and sharing and growth, and then sometimes, I guess the way it is, is we separate and go to another relationship or continue to work on ourselves or something, but that, that is the biggest number one reason, and it's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, we come as an individual into the relationship. We have needs and wants, and for some, uh, you mentioned one of the topics, codependency, uh, that we lose ourselves into the relationship, so we really, we merge, and we we're leaking, basically, our identity, really, at a very core place. I mean, we're taking on a persona, we're going through the motions, everything's fine, but we're stuffing our relationships, we're denying ourselves from pleasure, um, and it really is insidious. Um, And so, therefore, we are partnering at all costs to be with somebody, even at the sake of losing self, but really, the core of it is, for us as individuals, uh, to you know, have, honor ourselves and to take care of ourselves. And then, if I had a couple here, I would say, you're number one, and then I would turn to him and say, and you're number one. Exactly. And then I would turn to him and say, you're number one, and turn to her and say, she's number one, you're number one. And then I'd say, the two of you and your coupleness is number one. So as individuals, you take care of yourself. And as a partner, you support each other emotionally. You support your partner in doing the couple thing so that you can have a friend you can have someone to communicate with, and when the love gets crunchy, you can backdrop onto the friendship and say, hey, we've got a problem over there. Let's talk about it. Right, right. And, you know, in, in speaking about that, uh, what I often see, at least for, for myself and, and other people, is that sometimes we come together with someone who will bring out those things in us that we have to learn, stuff that maybe we had as a child. If you felt abandoned as a child, you're going to be in a relationship that you have it again to try and really deal with it this time and move beyond it. And uh, sometimes couples just, instead of learning from each other and growing from each other and helping each other through that that challenge of that need that wasn't met, uh, they just get polarized. And when they get so polarized, they're, they're again back where they were and they haven't grown. And if we don't grow, like you were saying, you know, work on yourself, you know, whoever is going to work on themselves and change themselves, then they aren't destined to keep repeating the same stuff in the next. You know, I say people, if you don't deal with your issues now, the next guy or gal is going to look different, but the issues will be the same. Good for you. Right? That's exactly what I say. I said, if you want to have a spiritual divorce, this is about a time of healing and honoring each other by working through this right now because you're clearly going to get divorced. You want divorce. You're talking about divorce, and you're saying that's what you're going to do. And because and someone will say inevitably, well, why do we have to keep coming back here? I go, just a few more sessions because I think you have work to do, and it's not about me getting money from you, but you, this is a great place for you to work on how to say goodbye to each other in a civil and honoring way so that you will not repeat it with the next relationship because I guarantee you, you right. will. 
Exactly. And especially if they have kids, they're going to have to co-parent. They're going to be teammates, um, hopefully co-parent productively until, you know, their children die or they die. Right. I mean, so that's that's another reason. So, you know, when when is the best time to to strike up a conversation? Let's say things aren't going well in the relationship you're feeling that your needs aren't getting met, like you talked about a few minutes ago, and you would like to see a change. So when is the best time to have that conversation? Yes, it sounds sterile, uh, but I would say if you have to, make an appointment to do it. You know, get somebody to watch the kids on Saturday morning after you've had a good night's sleep Friday night. Um, say, I'll make you know, hash browns and eggs for you. We'll sit at the kitchen table and talk and make an appointment to talk. So don't talk when you're drinking. Don't talk when you're angry. Um, Don't bring up the past. um, And don't talk when, you know, he or she has just walked in the door with their briefcase exhausted or rushing out the door late to work. You know, you have to set a stage for it to where you um, do it in a respectful way. You wouldn't just stop your boss in the hallway and start having this huge discussion. I mean, you probably would make an appointment. So, you know, it sounds like so um, structured, but really it's, you know, I really want to have a chance to talk to you. There's some things I think that I need to share with you, um, and they, I want to be able to have a safe time to do it in, and I know you probably have things to say to me, and I was wondering, can we schedule something, you know, that's when it's good for you and when you're not playing golf and whatever, and I'd like to do it this weekend. Do you think you'll be free? And let's set it up. And so maybe it means they go to a park bench and sit in the park, or I've even had couples sit outside in the driveway in the car and sit in the front seat and have a conversation. That confined space really helped them. Uh, but oftentimes not late at night on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock when they're just right exhausted. when you're cranky. Yeah. <laughs> Right. To to and I, I love your idea of, of making it an appointment and maybe even telling them, hey, you know, we have this issue with with our finances, and let's both think about it before we get together. What might best work for both of us, and so that they already know what it is, so they don't think like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna get me, you know, like what do you want to talk about, <laughs> you know, kind of let them know, hey, let's talk about this or let's talk about the upcoming trip. The, some concerns that we both might have that we need to work through. Let's when when will you feel comfortable to talk about that? I know my spouse. You know, he only has a certain amount of energy after work, so I have to tell make a time like when you know when do you feel like talking about this? When's this going to work for you? And um, and I think that's that's another really good time is when you've or when you've just been relaxing and you are in a good mood with each other. You know, um, that, that seems like it would be a good time, too, don't you think? I do, and couples are shocked by that because they think, oh, you know, because they're afraid it's going to start an argument. Uh, but to, but that's really the best time to be completely grounded and begin that dialogue. And also, I like what you said uh, in terms of uh, even starting off with, I need your input on this, or I'd l- I need your help in talking about some of the things I want to share with you. I'm interested in having you help me think it through. Yeah. So, so you set it up not like I'm going to talk to you and it's an appointment and you're going to listen. You know? Right, right, right. And starting out with something positive, you mm-hmm. know, even to say, you know, I'm so glad that we can sit down and talk about this or or even a compliment to each other, you know, just start out with something kind and sweet. And even if you're upset about something, get that over with before you sit down That's and good. say, hey, this is just a chance for us to talk. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, how would you say, how do you tell your clients to turn an argument into a problem-solving discussion? Yes. Well, <clears throat> well, I would like to mention the 72-hour rule and then answer yes. that question as well. Okay, good. I, I said for years, I, someday I'm going to write a book and I'm going to put in there the 72-hour rule, and they go, well, what's that? And, of course, <laughs> I just made it up. But I, I kept telling more and more couples, and then it became this little formula that I gave people. I don't want to make it sound overly simplistic. But basically, it's a two-pronged approach, and it is in my book. Uh, and the first one is language. So it's basically leaving, using language that's here and now. And an example of that would be, and forgive me, I don't mean to be hitting on the guys here, but the husband that says, if I've told you once, I've told you 19,000 times. Well, that refers to the past. Right, Or right. you're making me angry right now, and you did it eight months ago when you did A, B, C, D. And I say, forget eight months ago. Talk right. to her now about what you're thinking and feeling. So current conversation in the moment is very right. important. So language refers to time. And the other part is literally linear time of 72 hours. So I don't even know what is this Wednesday afternoon. I guess that might be Sunday night or Monday morning. I don't know. But whenever <laughs> 72 hours ago, if my husband did something that hurt me and I started stewing on it and get more agitated, I need to bring that up or I need to let it go. And not just let it go and stew on it and not say anything. It's a difference. It's a difference between letting it float away and say, you know what? Somebody quite famous many years ago said, You've got to pick and choose your battles wisely. So you really got to decide, is this really worth bringing it up? But if it's still bothering you, then bring it up. But don't bring it up eight months later. Right. So that's but, also, but also, I would just want to say a caveat. Don't bring it up eight months later because then you're just you're bringing up the past and, and exactly. that's terrible. But at the same time, if you speak when you're angry, there's this wonderful saying that I love. It's speak when you're angry and you'll say the best speech you ever regret. <laughs> Exactly. So, so you know, it, let's say someone says something to you, and and you just feel you feel that solar plexus, that knife in your solar plexus, or something. Yes. You know, just wait, wait yes. until. You know, you might even want to wait till the next day. You know, I, yeah. I recently, my husband had said something in front of one of our friends, and um, and it was it really sounded slight, and I was very angry. But I decided it wasn't an appropriate time to talk about it because I would I didn't want to lose it because I want to walk my talk. Yeah. <laughs> So the next day, I just said, you know, when, when this was said, I felt really embarrassed. I felt really uncomfortable. I was really hurt. And then we could talk about it. And, um, but at the time, I would have I said things you would not want me to even say on the air. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, do it within the 72 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the good news is you didn't say, you made me feel angry. Right. You did this to me. You said, I felt this way, I thought this, and I reacted and felt this way, but right. I chose not to speak because I wanted to have this moment. Yes, Tell and you how. talk about in your book, which I always talk about too, is whenever you say you with something negative, it is an attack. It is. It's so, a blame game. Yeah, if you, but you can use you if you say something nice, like, oh, you look so handsome, mm. <laughs> or you look beautiful or something so just that i that's what i always say if you want to say you it should only be with a compliment never with anything negative right. otherwise turn it into i this is how i'm perceiving this or i'm feeling this or whatever so yeah so we were on the as i was reading i thought this is my soul sister here oh, thank <laughs> you thank you and i wanted to finish up your actual question sure sure if it's starting to feel like an argument i mean 
as long as you're not saying the you, I'm speaking to your listeners that are listening to us, right. that, um, that you could say, am I raising my voice? Are we starting to have an argument? You know, I know that sounds very weird, but hmm. it's like, I don't want to argue with you, sweetheart. So let me take a break or let me take a breath or whatever and bring the energy down and say, that came out crooked. Let me start over. What I'm really trying to say is that, 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 that. Right. And so really kind of monitor yourself. And this is such a, this is like doing your own therapy while you're in the relationship. Right. But you can't be the editor of, uh, you can't editorialize your partner's behavior. You have to keep monitoring your own. All we own is us. All we own is how we choose to react or how to cope or what we believe about ourselves. So if you're going to wait all day long for other people to do it differently, you're going to have a long wait. Yes. And that's all about mindfulness, you know, just being self-aware of what's going on. And, you know, the older I get and the more I do this kind of work, the more I... St- I, I, I'm, a, I'm not only the observer, I'm not only the observee, I'm the observer at the same time. I'm trying to watch what I'm thinking and feeling and trying to stay centered and being mindful of the moment. So if we do that, we keep that energy at that more calm level. That's right. Even if the other person, you know, gets flies off the handle, it's our job to put up those golden shields and, and just stay in that sun. And it's not easy. It's not no. easy. It's it's catching, isn't it? Yes, it's very. It's, it's, and, but after a while, you'll get the rhythm of it. It's like anything else. You'll just say, oh, well, I'll, may, I'll pick on the women for once. You know, you look at your wife and say, oh, my God, look at her. She's really wound up. You know, why is she so upset? Oh, my beautiful wife. Yeah. She's really <laughs> wound up. And just be kind of looking at her and say, I see my wife looking upset. And then remain grounded. But what happens is we get that fishing hook in our mouth and we get sucked into it and we get all (gasps) excited and then we react to her or get defensive at her or, you know, we get, we try to talk louder, you know, instead of remaining grounded and say, you look really upset. I'm sorry you're upset and that was not my intention. I do want to talk through it. Right. But do you feel like we need a break right now? Because... Maybe this isn't a good time. And just remain very step back and, um, and keep trying to remain calm and show your intention of wanting to have a dialogue. Yes, yes. And it's hard because if you allow that anger response, you know, your amygdala part of your brain takes over, you know, yes. which, um, which wants to fight or fly or whatever yes. <laughs> and do all the things, you know, you just, that's when you were talking a moment ago about pausing, going to the bathroom, taking some kind of a break. I, I use a bell. <laughs> I, I have an Asian bell in my office so that when the clients are talking and if somebody raises their voice, I, I ring the bell and no one's allowed to talk until the bell sound goes away. Wow. And it, and it, you know, because I deal with conflict all the time, you sure. know, so that, that seems to work. So let's talk about um, the, the steps to overcoming infidelity because that seems to be, um, I just had a, a, a young woman call me just yesterday about how she caught her boyfriend cheating on her and they have a baby and, oh, it's just, you know, it's tragic. So, can you give us, um, let's see, well, oh, we don't have a lot of time, so maybe you can just give us a couple steps. I just looked at the clock. Just for the record, and I wouldn't say this on the first visit, but it takes two to tango, and if I was an analytical therapist, which I'm not, um, I would say the partner who's been cheated upon, or you know, the yeah. victim, if you want to use that word, yeah. um, is, 
is actually contributed to this whole dynamic, which is just a fancy psychological word for energy. Right. So there's this dance that takes place between the couple. But I think how to ward off an affair. Well, certainly spending time together, and I'm not talking about micromanaging what's going on so he can't or she can't have an affair. I'm talking about communicating, um, doing things that you used to do when you met each other, if, that's, if your interests have changed. Um, but having at least date night... Um, being able to talk about something other than diapers, um, you know, and checking in with each other, not like just how was your day, fine, but, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I, I couldn't wait to call you today and hear your voice. I got your voice message at 3, but then I got called into another meeting. Just little things like I'm thinking of you, sweetheart. Right. So spending time, knowing what's going on in your life. The example I always give that when I went for higher degrees in psychology, um, I made... Came home and I remember in one semester I practically gave a complete diatribe on the entire lecture every time I went to class because I wanted to share with my husband. We got into these big discussions that were very fruitful about his family of origin and mine. So he grew along with me. I didn't just learn that stuff and talk to my doctoral friends yeah. at school and then start to grow away from my husband. I, I, he may not know the psychology verbiage for it, but he was definitely included in the theory. Yes, and, and that's a so, perfect way for us to end, because we are out of time. We okay. could talk forever. But you're right, just really communicating at a deep level and being respectful and loving and kind. So we are going to go. So um, just give your website, and it's yeah. time for us to go. Thank you for this opportunity sure. to start your relationship now. Move on or move out, and you can get it on Amazon, and I thank you again. Okay, we'll talk to you again soon. Keep in touch, okay? Great. Great. Bye-bye. You've been Bye. listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Thanks. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.